Hi everyone and welcome back to 90th Minute Winner with me Scott Noble. As ever, I'd like to thank everybody who's taken the time out to listen to the Series 4 episode so far. The response has been very well received and it's much appreciated as always. So now on today's episode and what I'm very much looking forward to as it's something I haven't done so far in the whole existence of the podcast, in the whole four series and year it's been a podcast, um, which I, admit, I must admit I'm pretty much ashamed of to be honest. Um, today's podcast is very much focused on the women's game. But unlike previous episodes, previous recordings, uh, I'm delighted to have two players involved from a current professional standing. So without further ado, please welcome Hibernian centre-back duo Charlotte Potts and Joelle Murray. Ladies, how are we doing? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for, for having us on. No, no problem yeah, at all. I appreciate it. No, no problem at all. I mean, I'm going to go out on a bit of a whim here. I'm going to I'm gonna go with Potts. Is that OK, Charlotte? Absolutely fine by me, that. I mean, I mean the, three, the three minutes we spent waiting for Joella, I feel like we're at that point now where I can call you Potty, so I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how, how's, things, how's things for you, Joelle? First of all, obviously, coming from, from Scotland, things are probably a little bit different for you. How's things at the minute? Yeah, um, obviously, we're a, a little bit different, whereby we've got um, similar, but similar kind of guidelines and protocols and Scott you'll probably know a lot of the Scottish guidelines yourself we've been involved um, in or currently going through your your A license uh, with the Scottish FA you'll you'll probably be keeping a close eye on things up here but yeah I mean we are we've finally got the kind of green light to to restart football however that may look and logistically um how how things kind of work out but up here it's pretty much been locked down, um, like quite a, a strict lockdown um, with us coming out of lockdown, going into a, a tiered system again, whereas I think that's different in England, whereby you guys are coming out and going back into some sort of normality again, potentially. I mean, to say you're asking the wrong person, you could probably say that to anybody, even the Prime Minister, so... I think that you're asking any anybody asked those doesn't really know. Um, Potty, what about you? How's things for you? Yeah, good. I agree with you on that. I mean, I'm just trying to get outdoors as much as possible, to be honest. I mean, I know we've got like sort of a limitation about how long we're supposed to be outdoors, but what can you do when you need to train? And I think it's strange because in England, it's you can still go train if you're like an elite athlete. Um, yeah. However... Being in like playing in Scotland and coming back down, it's like I haven't got the uh, backing of a club in England, so I'm still trying to get across to people out there. If I am training, that like oh, I'm still elite, so I'm still technically allowed because I am in England. Um, yeah, so I feel privileged to be able to do that as well. Like um, being able to still go into the gym that I go to when I'm down here, and I mean, I really feel for how strict you've got it in uh, Scotland, by the way. Um, I don't know if I could mentally cope, if I'm honest, if I was in the situation up in Scotland. I, I really don't. Actually, looking, because obviously on your social media and stuff, I did wonder and question um, and was quite jealous and envious, actually, because you were in the gym quite a lot, um, kind of lifting, which, as you know, we is something that we both love doing. Um, so when I saw you still kind of continuing with that, I was quite envious that, up here in Scotland that's like that's not not kind of permitted or, or allowed so yeah that's probably one of the 
the the many kind of differences in terms of the way the English and Scottish lockdowns have kind of played out. Uh-huh. And I mean, I really feel the privilege. It's not a lot. I only go in like once a week because um, it is quite costly. But like, I relish that once a week opportunity. <laughs> as yeah. soon as that, as soon as that like appointment hits, I'm like, as soon as I wake up on that day, I'm like, yes, I've got a Martin Nugent session today. Other days when I'm trying to do like my gym stuff in the house or in the garden, it's like you you probably know yourself too well where you have to really give yourself a boost to do it. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely. not in that gym environment that you're used to. Are you missing are you missing Bannertines? Um I am missing it, yeah. I mean I was doing a session earlier in the uh, in the garden there and you're extremely limited in terms of the the amount of weight you can lift, what you can do. You've obviously not got a, a platform or, or anything like that. So although it's kind of keeping me ticking over as such, it's not your your Bannertines or you're you're into the spa or the the jacuzzi after your session there's certainly none of that so yeah I'm definitely missing it yeah it's uh, it's good to hear that you're sort of still keeping keeping as positive as you can I mean I must admit the gym's been closed is never (laughs) the gym's could have been closed for 29 years and it wouldn't be would have been an issue for me like so um (laughs) keep yourselves healthy by doing that sort of stuff then that's great um but like you're saying it probably is I'm not saying especially, but obviously with you playing in a different country, possibly like trying to trying to sort of establish that ruling of saying, look, I can't, I am still allowed to train. And but people are probably looking at you with a little bit of a furrowed brow and going, Well, come on, then like where's our privileges almost? Yeah, and I, I can completely understand that. And I mean I try to I try to tone it down at times on my social media, <laughs> although it might not look like it, but I also I, I I post as well as sort of a self motivation. If, yeah. if I'm posting, it keeps me motivated, and hopefully I can try motivate others as well. So without without meaning to. Oh, I mean it's like, pr- make people. I mean it's here. it's obviously just like excitement, and who can blame people for that? Like people are just counting down the days now to to getting back to some sort of normality, wherever it may be around the around the country, around the United Kingdom, around the world. I think, and I, any any sort of positivity you can you can share even if it's your own story I think it's like I think it's really really important to do that to be honest so we're just gonna go on Joel sorry no no I just said definitely Scott I absolutely agree with that there's so many times that I've saw Charlotte's and and other kind of athletes not just in football um posting and it's certainly given given me that extra motivation to to kind of get up and and train more and so yeah I think um, and it also keeps you accountable as well. Um, yeah. So there's there's so many positives to it. So yeah, keep posting, Charlotte. Absolutely, <laughs> you keep sharing them podcasts as well because everyone <laughs> that you listen to, I find so fascinating. <laughs> some good, some good, uh, good news stories coming out of this today. To be fair, um, so we're just gonna obviously it's different today because there's two years on, but I still want to try and get a decent sort of gauge of where you've sort of came from and where you're at now because. These have both had different career paths. Um, Joelle, you're sort of one one club mentality sort of thing. Charlotte, obviously, you came from England to play in Scotland now. So, um, Joelle, we'll start with you. Do you want to just take us through, obviously, where you started with the Burnie and where you're at now as well? Yeah, of course. Um, so, I started playing football when I was about five. Um, kind of took up a, a keen interest um, on the back of my 
dad playing um, locally with uh, a border amateur team. Um, he then moved into coaching and I would just be at every training session and, and every game. And it's probably um, spiralled from, from there, really. Um, when I played down in the borders, girls in women's football wasn't really a thing. So I was the only girl playing amongst a, a boys team. And I'd, I'd done so up until I think at that point, it was probably... 13 or 14 where you could kind of play mixed football so um, my dad saw an advert in the paper for trials for Hibs under 17s um, went up trialed and kind of my Hibs careers um, started there really and it's been been my life ever since and um, so I've probably been at the club for for over 15 years and um, started 17s at, at that point there was no extensive kind of academy pathway you were essentially 17s and the next step in transition was was first team so yeah that's that's kind of been my my career and um, there's been opportunities to to play elsewhere but for me at that 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 time in my career it wasn't wasn't the the right option or the the best move for me and of course having that affiliation and that love and passion for the club as a player and as a fan, it, it made those kind of decisions and choices even even harder. So, so yeah, a, a one club player and certainly no no regrets as such from uh, from those fifteen plus years. Yeah, it's it's an unusual unusual sort of path for players now, isn't it? Like men's and women's game actually playing one club with the amount of money and agents flying about and just you know it, it never really happens. So fair play for that, to be honest. Um, so Charlotte, obviously, people, especially in the northeast, might would probably associate more with with Sunderland. But you moved to Hibernian, is it nearly a year ago now? Is that right? It was August, so about eight months ago. Eight months ago, yeah. So, um, so again, like, how how's it going to Hibernian? Obviously, a bit of a silly question potentially because you've probably never be, really been able to to get started. I guess. I haven't. No, I mean it has been difficult because of COVID. I think obviously we've only played seven games. Um. Being without changing rooms to be able to get the gel with the uh, team, I think has had a massive impact. Um, I think especially with me being quite a big personality, to be honest. And um, I'd love to be able to know the girls a little bit more, uh, especially as Joel can probably con confirm. Being a defender, you have to know your players in front of you to know yeah. how to motivate them. Um, and that's been quite difficult. Um, so yeah, but I mean. It has been such a, um, a benefit for me going up in the middle of a pandemic. It's really pushed me out of my con comfort zone and I've gathered more resilience, um, which is what I try to do when I go from club, club to club anyways. I'm just trying to grow as a person. Yeah, so what, what differences have you seen in, in the, the limited amount of time you've obviously spent in Scotland? What are the main differences you've, you've seen with, with the, the level, with obviously who you're playing against and who you're playing with? I mean, being at Sunderland when I was, uh, like a few years ago, when we were fighting to get into the Super League, it's the sort of similarities to that, to where we're fighting for that professional status now and we're really pushing the professionalism. So I'm seeing the similarities there. Um, and it's great. I just, I think, obviously, due like what's just happened with the uh, situation with the league, with, us being partly professional and we're still not able to go ahead it's clear that there is still work to do for that and but they're definitely heading in the right direction which is great to see 
yeah, I'm going to come on to the the coaching element element of your the bo- both your your careers at the minute. But um, Joel, I just want to come to you in terms of the playing side of things. Obviously, you play alongside Charlotte as a centre half, but you know what what's it like playing with Charlotte? Is, is she a big personality on the pitch? And are you similar? Or are you just very much you do the the talking with your feet? Um, yeah, playing alongside Charlotte's great. I mean, for me, as Charlotte alluded to, I think especially a centre-half, you need someone alongside you that can communicate and communicate well, and, and Charlotte certainly certainly does that. And for me, for so long, I was probably not the only voice on the pitch. We've got quite a young and, and experienced squad, and off the pitch, they're very vocal, but as soon as they step over that line, I don't know what, what happens. They, they become um, quite mute and shy. So for me, for so long, I was one of the only voices on the pitch. So to have Charlotte um, come in and kind of provide that that voice for me um, has been a massive help. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I wasn't I wasn't a defender um, when I played at the, the low level I played. At. Obviously, when I say low level, I mean grassroots Sunday morning pub football. Um, so it's nowhere near the level you guys play at, but... In terms of what qualities, what qualities do you think a, a centre half needs to have it away from the communication? Are you starting to see more of a difference in, you know, we say ball playing centre halves? Are you starting to see a difference in your league, especially with that? Are you starting to see more, te- more technically gifted defenders? Uh, Charlotte will go to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the game, not just in Scotland, but everywhere, it's developing uh, technically and tactically, and I think. Ball mastery is becoming a really big thing at the minute and it's just you've got to be comfortable on that ball because, I mean, the way I see it, I, I like the touch on attention systems because the more comfortable you are with the, with the ball at your feet, the more chance you've got to be able to communicate at the same time, the more chance you've got to be able to see a runner coming at you, uh, making a third man run while you're doing the ta- technical aspect on the ball. So um i think it is a big push all of the ball mastery and this lockdown especially has been teaching the kids that you see a lot of the zoom calls where they're just working on how working on their touch working on controlling the ball so yeah i think it's great how the game's developing yeah i think we call it the, the brilliant basics over there with the foundation i think it's you can never ever really underestimate how important it is to, to practice the, the basics of it but i'm going to completely contradict myself here joel and i'm going to ask you a question say are we starting to get away from defenders being able to defend? Like, do we need to just get back to the basics and say, look, defenders still need to know how to defend? Yeah, I think so. I think for me, first and foremost, to to get anything from a game, you have to have a solid foundation. Uh, You need to keep a clean sheet. Um, So in that respect, you, you need to be kind of, first and foremost as a defender, you need to be kind of, all, all over your your defensive aspect of your play and I actually was listening to a, a podcast the other day and it resonated so much with me I mean in the modern day game especially your fullbacks or your wingbacks if you're analyzing and you break down their game they're probably attacking more or they're asked to attack more than they're, they're looking to defend and you can probably see that in the amount of crosses that are now coming into the box for centre halves as such to to kind of clear. I mean, I remember years ago, you were always kind of taught and coached to stop the ball coming into the box. 
before you even need to defend the cross. But now it's like, we'll let it come into the box and then the defenders will defend. I mean, Liverpool, for example, um, train Alexander-Arnold and, and Andy Robertson will probably attack more. And of course, they've got better players around them, but probably attack more and be asked to attack more because they've got the two centre-halves and the sitting centre defensive mid to kind of cover those areas. So I think first and foremost, as a defender, you need to defend, you need to be aggressive, you need to win your 1v1s um, because that's where your good foundations are are built from and that's where your wins come from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's it's interesting here on both sides of it because like, without overcomplicating the game, and again, we'll touch on this when we, we, we speak in a few minutes about coaching it's, it's, itself, but without overcomplicating the game, I think sometimes you have to have that fine balance of saying, well, you know, one of them can't, can't play as well, well as the other, but the other can defend better than the other. And I think sometimes when you've got that fine balance, um, obviously it's what makes it a decent centre-half centre half partnership. Um, who's the better player out of you two, would you say? I'd say Charlotte. Are you going to say, are you going to say Joel, Charlotte? <laughs> the age and experience has a massive factor, doesn't it? Oh, fair I enough. Think, I think we've got different... We're very different, I think. But we've got um, different qualities. I think if you put us both together, you'd probably get your your perfect player. And I don't think we've had the chance to uh, maybe build a uh, relationship with centre-back yet, have we? I think, how many games have we played together? As a centre-back partner, not a lot. The the first seven league games, I I missed three through injury. the games I maybe did play, you maybe played bold and mid. So we've not, as you said, had the chance to kind of form that partnership and kind of relationship as a centre-half pair. And so hopefully once football returns, we can we can get that up and running. Definitely. And I mean, off the pitch as well has a big factor to play. All that, like the, the changing rooms, being yourself in the changing rooms to get to know each other. We've, had, we've not even had changing rooms. Yeah, I think that that's a really... A really important thing that you're saying there, to be honest, Potsy, um, about changing rooms. Like, I think people underestimate the power of it, like the camaraderie and the the mm-hmm. opportunities to even to you know sit with different people and have those different conversations and almost have those private technical discussions. Like, mm-hmm. you're not really getting the opportunity to do so. You turn up in your car separately, you got your strips on, and it complete feels completely alien to majority of footballers at the minute. And I don't think it's anything anybody wants to get used to like again talking from my experience like Sunday league like it's sorry right for me because I just keep me Sunday league kit in the in the um set of drawers but for you it's like obviously that that structure of having going to the mm-hmm. changing rooms having that big crack without the managers and coaches there it, it can be the cornerstone of, of relationship building can't it mm-hmm. and I mean even away from football like obviously you talk about Sunday league I bet you know your teammates through the pub well yeah um, yeah. I mean, I like I like going to coffee shops as opposed to pubs. Uh, I know Joel does. I think we've been for a coffee what once, yeah. and that wasn't even that wasn't even for uh, getting to know each other. That was for like work for uh, yeah. the Hibs Academy. Um, so yeah, it is difficult. I mean, I I think sometimes you need on the pitch if you do something wrong, like a stern word with you sometimes to. Um, I mean, I don't know how comfortable would you, Joel, be to give me a stern word because you don't necessarily know me well enough. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it, it's hard. It it has been a very hard one. I know, and I I feel for you, especially partly because you've obviously been at the club now for for eight months, and I, me along with the other the other t- like players within the team probably don't know you fully, and likewise, you probably don't know us. And it sounds crazy to say that because you have been with us for eight months, but but you're right. We we miss that kind of pre and post match changing room banter. You miss that kind of post game nandos or whatever um, because of everything that's happening. So I think once restrictions ease, everyone will see the real Charlotte and you, you'll obviously get to know us and uh, see us in probably a different light as well. Fingers crossed we're not too far away from, from that, to be fair. Um, Hope there is some light, light at the end of the tunnel for everybody, football, football wise as well. Um, just moving on to coaching, then. So we kind of we kind of met separately, um, differently as well. Uh, obviously, Joel, as you mentioned before, we met on the A license, um, but it's all been virtual at the minute. Like we haven't had, had a chance to actually meet face to face. Potty, I've seen you about a couple of times um, working with Gary Bennett in the show races and the red card. I know he sponsors you as well. So, how did that relationship sort of develop, and what do you what do you sort of fulfil? Is it is it part part of the sponsorship deal? He's not my sponsor. No, it's just like a relationship that was developed through just conversations and getting to know each other. And he's probably he's probably been intrigued of my career at Sunderland with him being a Sunderland legend. And um, I don't know, something's something just clicked, and I've gained a lot of trust in Gary and. Um, he supports me a lot with like sort of mental and emotional needs. I'm I'm an emotional player. I'm not scared to admit that. Yeah. And it's maybe something that I was missing within my development growing up. Um, and I think going up to Hibs, he's been he's had a huge part to play in that and supporting me. I mean, especially it was a difficult decision to leave Sunderland. Um, and yeah, like I say, he's just he's helped with a lot. Yeah, and he runs a, a few holiday camps as well, and you help out with that, don't you? So, is that always been something you you've been interested in doing, like sort of helping the next generation of footballers? Well, it started. It, my relationship with him started with uh, business support because he seen right. that I, I I run I was starting to run like a one to one business, and I done my own um, football camp. Uh, it seems a long time ago now, but summer two thousand and nineteen. And that was quite that, that was quite a success considering I ran it by myself. And I think obviously once you have some support to be able to do it, it's a lot easier and it's a much bigger success when you do the camps. Um, and it's an opportunity to learn from other coaches. Um, I think even a coach needs coach themselves, don't they? You probably yeah. both can both agree on that. Um, Joel, what about you? Obviously, again, we've met virtually. So in terms of my understanding of your coaching journey and pathway is obviously little to none, to be honest. Um, but my, my question to you is slightly different because with you playing centre-half, obviously you see a lot more of the pitch than a midfielder or a striker does, but how does going from playing as a centre-half to having a completely different perspective as a coach, how does that differ? Did you find it hard to adjust to? Um, not hard, I don't think. I think for me it was probably the, the opposite. When, when I started coaching and 
when I went, kind of took the step on the, the coaching journey, I, it probably helped me a, a little bit more, actually, from a, a kind of positional perspective, but also generally how I, how I kind of viewed how training ran. Um, there was a time in between when our last manager left and Dean was appointed that I was kind of interim coach as such or player coach, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And again, that gave me a completely different perspective on multiple things. So for me, I think the coaching side of, of, of it has, has certainly helped me as a player, as a centre half and as a, as a coach. Um, so yeah, probably the opposite to that. By the A license as well, I know it's been tough, but how how you think it's gone so far? Um, it's been yeah, it's been quite intense. Uh, we've we've had a lot of uh, assignments, a lot of tutorials, and I think the SFA are doing the best they can um, around a tricky situation. Um, of course, we'd have preferred to have kind of completed those sessions in person, but I think Zoom's been been great um, not just from an A-license perspective but I think the whole of, of kind of lockdown and COVID um, Zoom's been a, a great find to be honest but yeah the A-license is good um, just looking forward to now getting on the pitch for the, the practical element of it um, and kind of taking it taking it on from there. Yeah I mean yeah it's tough I mean let's be honest it's it's never anything we wanted to, to get used to or ever wanted to, to be a part of our sort of coaching journeys. But like you say, and I think the Scottish FA have, have done the best they can. And even virtually, I think people have managed to network and connect. Um, like using an example today, like I, I would never have obviously been able to to get you on the podcast if it wasn't for the air license, if I'm honest. So you know, you would have never followed me back on Twitter, would you? So um, <laughs> it's, it's good. Obviously, it's still good to network over them sorts of things, isn't it? Yeah, the networking thing is massive, I think, for me. And to, to hear from, from lots of different coaches who have different backgrounds, who some have previous playing experiences, some don't, um, has been a really kind of insightful um, few months, really. And, and as you say, meeting like-minded people and, and interacting, albeit via Zoom and, and WhatsApp, I think it's been... Uh, one of the many advantages of, of the A-licence course. Um, so I'll just to finish off with, before we go into our, I don't know what, I should have really thought about, I haven't really thought about a name for it. We'll just call it true or false and be boring, unless you <laughs> think of a better name. Um, obviously, quick fire. Um, yeah, quick fire, we'll call it quick fire. Um, obviously coaching, just to finish off with, is coaching something you want to sort of, do when you f do finish playing, I know it's a while away yet, but is it something you've really thought about? Or are you just very much focused on the you playing at the moment? Um, for me, I've always never tried to, to kind of look too far ahead. Um, of course, you need to have a, an eye on post-playing um, because I think if you don't, it, it can kind of creep up on you quite quickly. So... For me, coaching is something that I enjoy and I have an appetite for, but it's not necessarily something 100% know I want to do when I retire. But if I can kind of add that string to my bone now whilst I'm playing, I know that when I stop playing, I've got that resource there to hand to potentially utilise. Great stuff. Okay, then. So 
Here we go. I've done it. I've done a quiz with me, me mates on a previous episode, um, and it went down a little, like a little bit of a lead balloon, to be honest. So we're going to try this one. So I did ask um, the ladies just before we came on a few weeks ago um, if they could provide me with five statements. Um, two would, three would be true, two would be false. And as I mentioned before, uh, there's a few which, which I looked at and thought, nah, no chance can they be, they be true. And they actually were. So you learn something new every day. So, um, Charlotte, I'm going to go for you first. I'm going to read five statements Joel has given me, and you need to work out which two are false. Is that okay? Absolutely. Right. So, number one, used to, um, used to uh, play for Berwickshire Junior Law. Well, sorry, was Berwickshire Junior Law Lawn Bowls champion. Okay. Sounds number one. Number two, I started my career as a forward. Number three, I have 48 caps and one goal for the Scottish women's national team. Number four, I have managed a team at Wembley. And number five, I used to support Hearts. What are you saying? What do you think? Three and five are false. Three and five are false. I think... How many caps did you say there for Scotland? Was it 48? 48, yeah. One goal. That isn't... I'm sure I've read somewhere about how many caps that you've got for Scotland. I don't think that's the number. I'm going to go for three and five or false. Um, You're saying that I have 48 caps and one goal for the Scottish women's national team and I used to support hearts or false. Um. So you got you one, one right. You got one right. So number five was false. So she never supported three hearts. Three was true. And three was true. Number two Wherever was false. So I, I started my I got career. was wrong. I started my career as a forward. I mean, it's probably because you haven't seen her much in training having a shot that you you wouldn't be able to work <laughs> forwards. Yeah, but give it time. Give it time. Okay. Wait, I should have really remembered that because I think I've, I think I learned that you were a midfielder. Midfielder. Yeah. yeah. Ah, so you, so you. I done, I done some, I done some digging. <laughs> still didn't, still didn't work. Still didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, Joel, your turn. I'm going to read five statements from Charlotte's given me, and you have to do the same. Work out which two are false. So, number one. I was part of a dance group to perform on Britain's Got Talent. Number two, I have a tattoo in my ear. Number three, Hayley Cropper is my aunt. Number four, I'm writing a book. Number five, I had that many fights growing up, I even lost count. Wow. Um, I mean, all of those could be true, to be fair. Yeah, they could be. I struggled. I struggled. Number one could be could be true. I mean, I see Charlotte dancing just as much as here playing football, so that could be true. Um, I'll go with one that I don't think, um, was it number three, Hayley Cropper? Yeah. But then that would be a strange thing to say. That's just quite left field. Uh, I know, it's out the blue, up. isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I'll go with that anyway. And I think I know you've got a tattoo in your ear. Um, the fighting one, that that could potentially be true. So process of elimination, what does that leave me? You've got 
Uh, I'm writing a book. Is number oh, four. Be true. Um, <laughs> right. So I'll go with number three and number one, just because it's so hard. Correct. You've done it. Oh. How do you manage that? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you the Haley Cropper. Say I posted on social. I must have posted on Facebook. You mustn't have me on Facebook. So I got I recently got told that I looked like Haley Cropper. <laughs> so when I was speaking to a friend and I was speaking about these statements that I should maybe say, they said like, "Put that you're related to Haley Cropper." Right. And I was actually like. <laughs> oh my god I'm saying nothing can, about that that is honestly I just wanted to crawl and under my like oh I just wanted to hide when I seen that <laughs> I, I did think that was the true statement but like I, that was nothing to do with the fact that I thought you looked like that I just thought it's a very <laughs> it's a very sort of random Strange. out of the blue statement well I thought, I thought you mm. but yeah I got it. I got it wrong anyway. But you, but yeah. you got the fifth one wrong though, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I did. But then as a centre half, I, I suppose you expect to be in fights, aren't you? You're not a centre half. <laughs> you don't have a fight. So, ah, uh, well done, Joel. So you win that. Um, what was it called? Quick fire. It's your Quick name fire. on the Quick Fire Quick Fire quiz, anyway. Um, so yeah, brilliant end to the to the episode. I'm afraid that is the end of not just the episode, but the but the series, the fourth series, um, it's been a really, really good series for me. Uh, personally, it's been an opportunity to, to meet new people, to, to network, obviously virtually, of course, it's been difficult, but without the, the opportunity to, to meet people virtually, there's no way that the, this series and all the episodes I've done in the past would have been, would have been possible. Um, so thank you very much for, for taking your time out to, to listen. Uh, thank you very much, to you two, Charlotte and Joelle, for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a it's been a really good episode. I've really enjoyed talking to you. So thanks very much again. No, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having us on. No problem. Been a um, good uh, relationship builder. Has, yeah, you've definitely learned a few things about each other, haven't you? So <laughs> something to take take back when you when you return to play. Um, so yeah, there will be a few special episodes over the coming weeks and months. So keep an eye out for them. But until then, stay safe, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you soon.